Let's pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love towards us, and we thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And God, uh, this morning, we just ask that you would just speak to us through your word, and your Holy Spirit would minister to us and bring about your good plans and your good purposes in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to talk to, uh, this morning about uh, from crisis to conquest. And if you have ever faced a crisis that really rocked you uh, to the core, uh, you will identify with what I'm going to be saying uh, this morning. In 1987, I was living and working in Hamilton. I was 34 years of age. And I still, to this day, uh, remember the unexpected phone call that I got from my mum in Auckland who told me that I needed to drive up to Middlemore Hospital because my dad had had a massive brain bleed and was not expected to live. Uh, dad was a uh, fit 65-year-old. Uh, he loved the Lord, uh, was a solid Christian man, served faithful in his local, local church. And he was my biggest supporter in everything, basically, that I, that I did. Uh, that evening, uh, with mum and I by his side, he, he passed away. And I was in absolute shock. Uh, late that night, I drove back to Hamilton and I cried all the way home. Uh, there was a point where I was almost beyond consolation. And I don't know how I kept on driving through the tears, uh, but I did. And I say that to say I'm not the only one who's ever been through something like that. And I won't ask for a show of hands, but, but many of you have gone through crisis situations that have absolutely rocked you to the core, that have um, just caused you so, so, so much um, grief. Uh, back then, I was part of a church which very much had a, had a victory mentality and theology. And we were, never caught how to, we were never taught how to cope with failure. We were never taught how to cope with life's, uh, life's crises. We were taught how to steward our time, our talents and our finances, but we never knew how to cope with crisis, how to cope with pain, how to cope with loss. And that's unfortunate because... 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 says, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, I know that we've been in the last days for the last 2,000 years, but the reality is things are getting more difficult. The things that our kids are facing at school are far, far more difficult than anything that I ever had to face at school. And we don't even have to look to the COVID situation to say that see, things are, are difficult. And they're going to continue to, to get difficult. And so that verse applies to all of us because we're living on earth, not in heaven. And life happens to all of us. But the Bible gives us such great tools and great examples for getting through these difficult times. And one of the characters in the Bible that goes from basically victory to crisis is King David. Uh, he had a high point of killing Goliath, uh, being ushered into the king's courts, uh, to marrying the king's own daughter. And he would have expected from that point things to go from victory to victory to victory. After all, David loved God. Uh, even God described him as a man after his own heart. But 
David, despite his worship, found his life just in a downward spiral. He was being pursued by a demon-possessed king who wanted to put an end to David's call on his life. Uh, To survive, David had to feign madness at one point and leave Israel and live with one of Israel's greatest enemies. And for 30 years, David is carrying the promises of God and the anointing to be king in his life, but everything seems to go wrong. In 1 Samuel 30, we read how David and his mighty men come back to their city of uh, Ziglag, and after a series of victories that they've had, they find that the Amalekites, while they were were away, the Amalekites had attacked their city. And so we're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel 30 verse 3 and just read this particular episode in David's life. It says this, When David and his men came to Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking about stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. Uh, You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. And then verse 16. The Amalekites were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until evening of the next day, and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Uh, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. What an amazing victory. In fact, it was one of David's greatest victories. But it came out of an incredible crisis. And every one of us are going to have crises in this life. It's not a matter of if, But when, and when it happens, how are you going to respond? Uh, David and his mighty men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Now, these weren't emotionally unstable or weak men. These were mighty warriors. And they were so overcome by the situation that they cried and cried and cried and cried. John Elrich says a wound that goes unacknowledged and unwept is a wound that cannot heal. It's interesting that in life there's a lot of things that when they happen to us, we push them down, push them down, push them down. We don't let them come out. And so we don't deal with them. We try to uh, deal with our crises by, by just about pretending that they've never happened. And that great theologian Shakespeare says, to weep is to make less the depth of grief. Interesting. Interesting. It's okay to cry. It's okay to express your emotions. We can't live in denial. It's not a lack of faith. It's human. And 
it's okay not to be okay. How many of you have had a time where you just haven't been okay? Yeah, most of us and the rest of you are liars. All right? We can't live on a mountaintop all the time. In fact, even if we go from mountaintop to mountaintop, you've got to go through the valley to get to the next mountaintop. So there are good times and there are difficult times. David's men wept until they had no more power to weep. You've got to come to that until moment. And if you're dealing with people in this, uh, who have gone through something really, really difficult, one of the best things you can do to start off with is to pray for them and listen to them. Don't try and give them answers right at the very beginning. They have to get to an until moment. They have to get to that place where they actually want to step forward. Uh, until you come to that until moment, uh, you're probably not looking for healing or wholeness or breakthrough or restoration. So I thought this morning that I'd just give you some thoughts to help your journey uh, from a crisis situation through to victory, through to, through to conquest. And the first thing that I, I think is really important is to realise that everyone goes through difficult times. What you are going through or what you have been going through is not unique to you. Job, Jeremiah, Elijah, David, David's mighty men, Paul. In fact, just about every book of the Bible and just about every main character in the world has a crisis at one time or another. All my heroes of the faith uh, over the last 40 years, Jerry Cook, Bill Hybels, Rick Warren, have all had life crises. In fact, one of my, one of my great friends is a um, chap by the name of um, Jerry Cook who was from Seattle, Washington, and Jerry wrote a book called Love, Acceptance and Forgiveness, which was a bestseller during the charismatic um, renewal. He chronicles how his church went from uh, 50 people to 2,000 people in, in six months. And um, Jerry wrote a second book, which was called Things I've Learned Since I Knew It All. And basically, it... It chronicles a crisis in his life. He walked into his office one day and it took him three quarters of an hour to decide which chair to sit down in. And then when he sat down in his office chair, all he could do was cry. And he had a breakdown. And so in this book, it chronicles some of the things that he'd learned. Bill Hybels, Rick Warren have all had crises in their life. 1 Peter 4 verse 12 to 13 says, Dear friends, don't be, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, it happens to all of us. And when you realize that what you are facing is not unique to just you, then it will encourage you to seek answers and be encouraged from the testimony and the victory that other people have found in a similar situation. There is a way through. And that's why... Suicide is such a terrible, terrible, terrible thing because people are taking a permanent action to a temporary problem. And we've got to encourage people that there is a way through Psalm 23. Even though I walk through 
the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Valleys are through passages. They're not end stops. They're not caves. We walk through the valleys. And if you recognize this, you won't begin to blame God and others for your problems as David's mighty men did. They were going to stone David because they thought it was all his fault. Blaming God and others just leads to bitterness. David wasn't the problem. He was the one to lead them to the solution. So secondly, learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Uh, 1 Samuel 30 verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him, but David strengthened himself or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In the middle of his problems, David turned to God. He encouraged himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Every one of us are going to have difficult situations from time to time. Every one of us are going to have problems. So every one of us needs to learn how to encourage ourselves and strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And I asked people in the, um, in the first service how various ones of them encouraged uh, themselves in the Lord. So, so Anne, how do, how do you encourage yourself in the Lord? Big voice. Very good. You've been reading my notes. <laughs> Pam, how do you encourage yourself in the Lord? Yeah, very good. Very good. Isaac, how do you encourage yourself in the Lord? Worship. Worship. I do that too. Uh, I go down the back garden and I, I sing. And when I sing, with nobody listening, uh, I, tend to, I tend to sing old hymns that I remember from my Presbyterian days. Um, and they just come out. And when I sing, the presence of the Lord comes. And that just greatly helps me. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So when you've got no strength, wait on the Lord. We can plug into God's strength. We can draw from Him. So how do we encourage Him? There's lots of ways, as we've just heard. First of all, remember past victories and blessings that God's given us. David would have remembered uh, when he killed a lion and bear, when he took down Goliath. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. So remind yourselves of past victories. I remember when I was born again. I remember coming alive to God in an instant. I remember peace flooding through me. I remember God's miraculous healing power. I remember being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember having a wholehearted love for the Lord and a childlike dependency on the Holy Spirit. I remember miracles of deliverance and healings and His power. And as I remember His love towards me, faith in God grows. So remind yourself of past victories and blessings. Secondly, remind yourself of the greatness and the power of God. You know, He's bigger than any problem that we're facing. Nothing's impossible to Him. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's Jehovah Nissi, 
your victory banner. He's Jehovah Shalom, our peace. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. Hebrews 13, 6, we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. You know, it says if God is for you, who can be against you? In other words, doesn't matter. If you've got God on your side, doesn't matter about all the other stuff. Uh, Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, very present help in trouble. You know, he's the one that we can run into when we're in a difficult situation. He's the one. Uh, I love what it says in uh, Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And it's got that picture of a mother hen uh, gathering the chickens around about them. And those, those chicks just being so, so, so safe. And yesterday when I was out in the garden, uh, up against one of my fences, there was a, there was a baby f- thrush. And it uh, had all its feathers and everything else, and, but it was all alone. And I thought, wow, that's, that's not what we are like. Um, we're not alone. You know, God is with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Remind yourself of verses that promise that you've got a great future. Uh, for me, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Uh, Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Uh, then cast your cares on Him. Whenever I read that verse, I remember of all the times that I've been fishing and I've tried to cast a line out with a sinker and the blooming reel is jammed and the line snapped and the sinker has just gone, pew, never to be seen again. That's what this is. <laughs> when you cast your cares on the Lord, you're throwing it out without a line connecting it it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. You can't get it back when you cast them on the Lord. Um, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Tell him how you feel. Pray in the Holy Spirit. It releases the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Remind yourself of the undisputable, unmovable foundations of your faith. For me, the foundations of my faith, God loves me. God's got a great plan for my life. Uh, I know he will never leave me or forsake me. All these things build me up and encourage myself and my soul. Uh, Here's an essential thing though. Let your crisis drive you to God, not away from it. The enemy wants to bring crises into your life to drive you away from God. When something happens, think, what direction am I moving? Am I moving closer to God or am I moving away from God? Uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 9 in the message version says this. You let the distress bring you to God, not drive you from Him. The result was all gain, no loss. 
Distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. We never regret that kind of pain. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets. Someone once said to me that the, the difference that Satan comes to us as and God comes to us when they're both holding a knife. Satan comes to kill. Generally, if God comes, it's with a surgeon's scalpel wanting to bring healing and wholeness. After David encouraged himself in the Lord, he took the next step, which was he prayed. In other words, he built himself up. And let me just say this. When you're in the middle of a crisis situation, when you are emotionally all over the place, that is not the time to make life-changing decisions. Leave it. Leave it for a time. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Build yourself up. Uh, and then when you're a little bit settled, see if you can still yourself and seek the Lord and ask him what you should do. Uh, 1 Samuel 30 verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Every situation has a different key. It has a different key to overcoming. And God has the key, so we have to know from God what to do. Some situations, God may say, take your hands off it. Leave it to me. Just walk away. Some, he may say, I want to sacrifice. Others, he may say, stand and see the salvation of your God. Still others, he may say, pursue, for you will recover it all. We need to know what God is saying in each of our situations. And then trust him that if you follow his direction, then he will give you the grace for any outcome. One thing I've learned over the years, though, is that you don't walk the righteousness of God with the ways of the world. The kingdom of God has different values to the world, and the people of God have different values and a different lifestyle to people in the world. And when God's people live like the world lives, we lose the blessing of God because like oil and water, the two don't mix. So with God's word and his values as a guide, you need to know what God is saying. Sometimes God parts the waters for us so we can walk on dry ground. Other times we find ourselves in a fiery furnace. But whatever the situation, know that God will always be with us if we do life His way. Lastly, you've got to be willing to fight for what is rightfully yours. David didn't just sit back in self-pity, but he sought the Lord and said, Okay, God, what am I going to do? Do I pursue this lot or not? God said pursue, so he did. So David partnered with God, goes after the enemy that took his possessions, and he doesn't just recover all. He recovers 
much, much, much more than he had lost. If you don't quit, God has something in store for you greater than your struggle. Let me say that again. If you don't quit, God has something greater in store for you than your struggle. God's will is for you to recover and come out with greater blessing. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love God. All things work together for good. Let's take the global pandemic. Can God turn that for good? It's part of the all things, isn't it? He can, he can use even that, he could turn it for good to bring about his plans and his purposes. In your life, the dumb things that you've done, that you are reaping the consequence of, God can turn that for good. The stuff that Satan's brought into your life, that he wants to destroy you with, God wants to turn it for good. The dumb choices other people have made that affect you, God can turn it for good. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe his word and give him the opportunity by giving him the situation. John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, this is Jesus talking, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The thief steals, God adds in abundance. Have you ever been in a really, really dark place? Here's a verse for you. Isaiah 45, starting at verse 3, it says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, and the God of Israel. God can even give us treasures of, in our dark places. Treasures in our dark places. David didn't do it alone. He partnered with his friends. And together with God, they had an awesome, awesome victory. And we need to learn to pray. Keep on praying battle in prayer till we get a breakthrough. But we can join together with God's people. You know, I, I find that when a group of us get together to pray, it has a sense of being far, far more powerful than when I just pray by myself. And that's not surprising. It says um, one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. And that's the multiplication factor of when Christians get together. That's why our prayer meetings are so important, people, because when we join together, our prayers are multiplied in their effectiveness. And in any situation, any circumstances, get a group of people to pray with you, pray for you. Uh, in our church, we have got a group of intercessors who will pray through any situation that people um, would like us to. And so uh, you just contact Penny 
either send her a text or an email and uh, she'll let them know what the situation is. They're very, very discreet and they'll pray through situations. And we've seen marvelous answers to prayer as a result of that team praying. It's interesting. David and his mighty men defeat the Amalekites and three days after David's lowest, lowest, darkest hour, three days afterwards, he gets the message. King Saul is dead and the people want to crown you as king. Come back to Israel. Wow. <laughs> what, a, what a turnaround. It's like, Joseph in the prison where he's languishing in Egypt and then suddenly he gets a call <laughs> to come before Pharaoh and he ends up in a moment being made the second most powerful person in the land. From the pit to the palace, from the crisis to being a conqueror or from David's situation from absolute despair to being made king let's have the musicians Romans 8 verse 37 says in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and you can be more than a conqueror no matter what your situation is no matter what your circumstances and this might not apply to you right now, but if you take these principles, you will be able to help somebody else. You'll be able to help someone else who's going through a difficult time. Uh, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In other words, you'll have so much hope that it'll flow through you and you'll be able to touch others with that hope. I love what it says in Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 is the passage that Jesus read when he first went into the temple at Nazareth. First thing, first principle, first, first accounts are always incredibly important. And he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour Spirit was on Jesus and the Spirit of God is on us same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us so that call that was on Jesus is also a call that's on our lives we are the ones that should be anointed to preach the good news to bind up broken hearted to proclaim freedom for captives it goes on and it says to comfort all who mourn Provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They, who's the they? The they is those who need comforting, those who are mourning, those who are grieving, those who have got ashes, those that um, have got a spirit of despair. Those they are going to be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendour. In other words, when God comes into those situations, when God comes into those deep, dark valleys in your life, when God comes into those crisis situations, 
Not only does He want to heal you, but He wants to make you a healer. Not only does He want to restore you, but He wants to make you a restorer. And it says in these verses, it says, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. The very crises in your life that have the potential to destroy you are the very crises, are the very situations and circumstances that God wants to breathe on. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. And He wants to use you to set other people free.